Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs. And Johnny, we're talking Manhattan today. We got a very interesting topic that I think a lot of buildings are dealing with, but but it's something that a lot of media hasn't been talking about and is, and is in our future. Um, it's going to be Local Law 97. Um, and we got some we got some experts in. Um, we got Oris Tomaselli um, in with us. We got Ben Willigan with us. And John, you're on your um, you're on your board and your co-op, so you're you're familiar with this as well. Um, and I just want to start out. Um, everyone knows um, um, John and Ben and I. So Oris, um, thank you for joining us. If you could please just take you know a minute and and explain um, who you are and um, why why you're a good person to talk on this topic. Sure. So thanks for having me here. Um, I am. I have been uh, part of the compliance realm for New York City condominiums and cooperatives for the better part of 25 or 30 years. Um, I hold uh, essentially two positions. I hold the position of a president of project review at a company called Condo Tech, which handles lenders' uh, compliance for condominium and cooperative lending across the country. And I own a company called Strategic Inspections. Strategic Inspections is a New York-based reserve study company that does reserve study reports for condominium cooperative buildings. Um, we do that work across the country. And the reason that's kind of germane to this call and this presentation today, or you know, this webinar today, or this, I'm sorry, podcast today, um, is that you know, New York City is faced with, uh, you know, has created this you know, it, it passed the Climate Mobilization Act. Um, it's also called the New York City you know, Green New Deal. And, um, you know, it limit, the goal is to limit greenhouse gas emissions for all of these buildings in New York City, buildings that are, you know, above 25,000 square feet, which many buildings are. Um, and it requires a change of their components, internal components in the building, mechanical components in the building, in order to comply with these laws, or else there are, are some pretty serious fines that are going to go into place by 2025. So what's happening in the industry right now is that, you know, these guidelines are kind of rearing their ugly head because, um, you know, budgets are being created right now. You know, we're, you know, close to 2023 and buildings have to look forward to see what kind of capital they're going to need to spend to comply with these new laws that New York City has introduced. Right. Okay. So, so now we got the general idea of what local law 97 is. And, and let me just, again, cause I am new to this. So, so I'm not in the world. This is a done deal, correct? This is signed, sealed and delivered and it's happening. There's no putting this off. There is no putting this off. There's some legislation that's you know, some, there are some lawsuits that are, you know, being filed or have been filed you know, to try and back this off, but I really don't think it's going to be successful, especially with the current political climate. Um, and, you know, hundreds and thousands of buildings are in the process of complying with this right now by getting energy reports and reserve studies done. Um, so I don't think there's any way to back this off. Right. And if I could just jump in now on that, I mean, so from, from my perspective, we're talking like, you know, multifamily buildings. As I recall, Currently, you know, but pre 2024, what they want to have is they want to get you from, say, roughly, I don't know, seven kilogram per of carbon dioxide emissions per square foot. They want to get you down to four. Right. So that's a that's a pretty significant reduction. And I guess the question on most people's minds when they're thinking about this, at least was the question that I first had is how is this being measured? Right. How is the city going to actually measure this reduction? 
Yeah, so that's, you know, I think that's a big question, right? So there's this self-reporting requirement that begins in, I think, 2025, uh, that you have to have an engineer or an architect essentially perform this assessment at that point in time and send a report into the city. Um, the assessment itself is interesting because there are firms that are set up right now to measure, uh, you know, the emissions uh, of any particular building. And... That's done in a couple of different ways, but you know, I think the bottom line on that is there are professionals out there that can measure um, right. you know, what type of emissions come out of a building based upon the boiler, uh, based upon the heating system, based upon the air conditioning system. Um, it, essentially what this is, is an electrification of the United States, right? Essentially everybody wants to move away from you know, gas and oil. And uh, um, what we're seeing is you know, there are lots of problems that are coming up because of that. And you know, these buildings are riddled with issues just because the mechanics of it, of getting these systems in place is quite complicated. You know, mm -hmm. Con Ed plays a big role into whether or not you can electrify a building that was built in, you know, the late 1800s or early 1900s on the Upper West Side. So, right. you know, there's a lot of complications here. Right. And that's what I've seen is you go past and, and all the buildings now have the grades posted out the door, right? A, B, C, D. And it's interesting to me, and I'm hoping you could talk to this point, why a a say you know post-war 1950s co-op uh, on the Upper East Side might have say a C, but then maybe a newer building built in the 1980s might have a D, which when you would you would think when it's a newer building might have a, a slightly better grade. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, so we have done reserve studies at strategic inspections on about the you know 83% of the new construction construction buildings in New York City over the last five years. So we've been pretty much almost on every building um, that has been constructed. And we provide these reserve studies for various number of reasons. Typically, developers wanted to ensure that they were reserving enough or setting up a, an appropriate reserve for purchasers and owners, right, within these buildings when they, you know, kind of released or, you know, they, they, they had the board or HOA take over. Um, so we had an interesting glimpse into this. Um, there are many new construction buildings, and Ben and I were actually talking about this not too long ago, that you know have come to market in the last two or three years that are going to be tremendously impacted by this law. There's one very famous building in Manhattan that went up around five or six years ago that's going to have a $50 million bill to comply with this law. So the answer is there's a, there's a, a lot, lot of zeros. Yeah, a lot of zeros. Um, the answer is that you, know, you can't really rely on whether or not the building was built recently uh, to determine whether or not they're going to be compliant with the, these you know, emissions acts. Hey, hey Ors, um, can we just generalize for a moment? Sure. Um, I, I'm so out of my league here. I don't even know what kind of questions to ask. Um, what type of, if I'm a regular building, you know, I don't know, 100 units, 80 units, 100 units, 20 stories, whatever. Um, what type of increase am I looking at here? What type of assessment? I mean, is, is there any general idea? Yeah. Um, we've seen on average anywhere between around a million and a half dollars to all the way up to around $6 million on an average building like that in an assessment cost. Okay. Um, no, but what's interesting yeah. though, too, and just the, you know, because in the field, we're not yet fully seeing all these assessments, you know, come through. 
And if you look on New, the New York City's actual website for the local law 97, now I don't know how they came to this number, but what they're estimating right now is they're estimating 20 to 25% of buildings that'll actually you know, be impacted. So I think looking at the finances of how buildings are set up, you know, will they be able to stomach some of those things that Orist has? And you know, it really remains to be seen. You know, is the city right that it's going to be 20, 25%? Is it going to be closer to 80%? You know, how many buildings will actually be, you know, impacted to? I think is a big question we also have to ask ourselves here. So what are you saying? That the city is underestimating? Uh, <laughs> And Ben and I, ben, the, the great thing about Ben and I is we have some disagreements about this. <laughs> yeah. well, let's 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 bring it out. Let, let's talk. Let's, what, what do you disagree about? Well, I you know I, I think you know what we can go off of is what my agents you know are seeing in the field. You know we have 170 agents. We see a lot of deals come across uh, you know our desk and a lot of different you know buildings. A lot of due diligence. I've also checked with a bunch of our attorneys before this call. So far to date, not many of them have. Uh, if anyone had really come across it, we're now we're prepping everybody thanks to like Orist's, you know, guidance on that. Uh, however, you know, so the 20, 25% right now might seem like it could be a little bit much on the, the high side, actually. Um, but, you know, some of the things that Orist has said, it might actually be, you know, very much on the low side. So right now we haven't seen that in terms of the percentages of deals, but it doesn't mean that we can't see it in the future. Uh, which I think is is interesting, and Oris might have a slightly different take on that. Yeah, you know, I, and I completely respect that comment. You know, if you look at historically what built, you know, whether or not a building is a good, uh, you know, financially healthy building as opposed to a bad financially healthy building, um, you know, you you would you would you would you know look at this and say, well, you know, these buildings have always weathered the storm. They you know they have substantial amounts of reserves. They have substantial amounts of capital or access to capital, and they could probably weather this storm as well. And I understand that point of view. I, I, and I am not, you know, kind of a, you know, this isn't an apocalypse conversation, but there are some serious, you know, requirements that are coming for these buildings. And the smart and, and, and very thorough property management groups out there are having all of their buildings go through an energy audit to comply with these guidelines or eventually comply with these guidelines. So, you know, I think it's a little bit worse than what the city is predicting. I think that if you look forward, I think a lot of buildings are gonna have, you know, major financial issues coupled with, you know, the fact that the inflation numbers are soaring coupled with the interest rates soaring. Um, I think there's gonna be a little bit of a reckoning here in New York City. Okay, so, I mean, Oris, I think you, Go ahead, Ben. Another interesting point with that, though, on April 24th of this year, actually, the person I think heads up the Department of Environmental Protection actually went in front of the New York City Council saying that there should be some additional flexibility for buildings meeting the 2024 deadline. So, you know, th this is coming up. I also, I mean, I've sat on a few boards. I advise a few boards. One of them, you know, particularly who I think is a D, you know, rating, um, it might only have like 100 to 200,000, you know, of repairs, I think is what they're estimating right now for the 2024 deadline, which they should be able to easily stomach. Now they have $3 million of other things they're looking to do, but, but um, you know, in regards to this topic, it was a little lighter on their, their whole load. So sorry, John, I cut you off there. 
You did. I, I've no, I've put that in the uh, put that in the notes there, Ben. No, so what I, Oris, you opened up a, an awesome Pandora box, which I just want to kind of start digging in. And I will say that I know that there are some buildings who all they have to do is simply switch switch out some incandescent bulbs with LED bulbs, and they're going to be okay. And then I know that there's some that are still on, you know, number two oil, and they're going to have to get rid of completely electrify everything, and that's that's just going to be massive. But I wanted to kind of bring it back to buyers and sellers. And one of the things that a buyer is going to do is they're going to do that due diligence. The attorney is going to get the minutes from the condo. They're going to look at the financials. And instead of saying, all right, well, we know that the roof has another X amount of years. We know the elevators were just serviced, right? There's, there's certain timelines you can predict for certain of the large capital items. How are, in your, in, in your view, how, are, how should attorneys and how are boards looking at their reserve structure and thinking, all right, well, there's this fine coming. We, we have a neb, somewhat nebulous idea of when it's coming and we have a kind of a weird idea of what it's going to be. How should, how should buyers react to that when, they, when assessing you know, board finances, building finances, because I mean, it's not necessarily black and white anymore? And is this something that sellers should take into consideration? They may have some you know, higher, higher monthlies down the road. Uh, so, so my staff always, you know, beats me up a little bit about my, you know, hokey comments, right? But we're all very familiar with the term shadow inventory, right? And I like to use the term, you know, shadow capital needs in my office, right? Okay. Because for years in, or for decades, I should say, um, attorneys would go in and essentially review the financials of the building, as you just outlined. And they would review whatever information the building could provide. But the reality is most buildings in New York City did not or have not obtained a reserve study. And most buildings have no idea what they need as far as capital is concerned. You know, there are very good property management firms that do a very good job at kind of setting up a building's expectations for capital needs. But the reality is if you don't have an engineer walking that property and looking at the components, you have no idea what the cost is going to be for the repair and replacement outside of local law 97. So the answer is, you know, a lot of buildings don't have, or buyers and sellers don't have the ability to look into the financials and look into the building components and really understand what it's going to cost three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, for them to be able to, you know, buy that unit and live in that building. And some of these special assessments are going to be large. And the problem is right now, there's no identifiable or very little identifiable pathway to make that determination for realtors, for attorneys, for sellers, for buyers, unless they have these, you know, you know studies in place, which we perform, um, or unless they've done a deep dive by an engineer into the structural and mechanical components of the building, and then overlay local 197 on top of that, because that's the additional costs that are coming. And, and just to kind of piggyback the probably the potentially scarier thing with that is because none of these buildings have done this study over the years, and that's just been the traditional norm. And the whole reason, and I've been on my boards when I've, we've been advised from the accounting firms, is that if you do this study, then you actually have to keep that amount in your reserve, which would be substantially higher than what most buildings keep. And buildings don't do that because then where does that come from? The shareholders, the condo owners. So if all of a sudden it did become the norm to do these, which it hasn't been over the last, you know, however many, you know, forever in New York, then uh, the actual increases, even just to the capital reserve amounts, aside from local 187, could actually be, you know, quite scary in that respect. So we're kind of in this like wait and see period to also see if yep. all of a sudden buildings start doing that. Okay. So, so 
we're in mid 22. Yeah. This, this takes action in 25. Yeah. Okay. That's like the first phase of it, I guess. I guess there's another phase afterwards. Okay. Correct. Um, okay. So we have three, well, two and a half years or whatever. Okay. I don't know when the date is. So, so there's some prepare time. So I want to be very clear about this next question. I know we, I know you've probably mentioned all of these answers throughout the podcast. If I'm a building, could you step one, step two, step three, what do I do right now to prepare if I haven't done anything? So there's, you know, one of two studies that you essentially need right away. One is an energy study to determine what the impacts of local on 97 are going to be and making a determination based upon the repair and replacements from the components that need to be changed out to comply with that, you need to understand what the cost of that is. And then the second study is a reserve study, and they could be done interchangeably, meaning that you need both studies, but you can do the reserve study first, or you can do the energy study first. And the reserve study takes into account every single component in the building and essentially determines what the remaining useful life of that component is, how much cash you need in your account, uh, in order to pay for that, all for the avoidance of a special assessment. Essentially, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have ruled on this in January, saying that special assessments are no longer the appropriate vehicle to fund repairs and maintenance. So it's coming from so many different angles. And I, I know you asked me to be succinct here, but it's kind of common. No, it's, it's okay. Right? Yeah. So because the lending guidelines have changed and have set essentially Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and every single residential lender in the country follows their guidelines to some extent, even on a two or $3 million loan amount in New York City, um, Fannie Mae has essentially done away with the you know, acceptance in, in most instances of a special assessment. So you have to kind of fund your building a different way now, and you have to have these reserves in place just to get mortgage financing. Okay, so and and the reason I ask this is because we are in a tight financing situation now, tightening, I should say, and we tightened quite a bit, um, and everyone knows where this is going. So, so I, I don't know how prudent it is to go run out there and get a loan now to get ahead of it, just to because you know what I'm saying. Like, if anyone's even thinking that way, oh my God, let's take care of this now. So when we get there, it's whatever. Um, first, it sounds like discover where you are, discover what your problem is, discover what we do an audit, do a full audit. But like, if I had to look ahead just for a second and strategize this in 2025, I mean, I think we'll be at a completely different part of this cycle. I mean, we're in a rate hike cycle. That's going to, we're going to be another 150 basis points by the end of the year. I hope people are preparing for that controlled demolition by the fed going to hit us. What we're talking about now is not coming for another two and a half years. That, Buyers are not going to think about this now and bid it in. Okay, that's my point. To your point, though, for because you originally asked what buildings should also be doing, and buyers might not be thinking about it. They should be asking the question. And and boards, one of the things that we did in my board years ago is that we tried to get ahead, you know, with our actual operating budget. And to or what Oris just mentioned, probably one of the points we do definitely agree on is that you know, ten percent actually going to the building's reserve and actually stocking away money. When you, you know, even if you don't actually need it, so many times I think board members try and placate to stay on the board and get votes and keep maintenance or common charges artificially low and then just assess. But if you're not planning for the future and building that money right now to plan for these things coming down the pack and you don't, you know, you see someone with a very tight operating budget, they really should be expanding that a little bit and doing the small increases each year. So, 
I, yeah. I, I double that. I double that. You know, it may be politically not favorable, but it's the it's the prudent, smart move to put your building in a better place down the road. It's 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 everyone likes to vote in a very short-sighted fashion. This is more thinking. Let's think long-term health of the building. Yeah, yeah I think the only comment I would add on this is that you know for decades there's been an almost an apathy by board members essentially to you know not think forward and to you know just kind of hold the status quo and not raise any costs or charges or you know we're looking at anywhere between six and nine percent increases in maintenance costs for condo and co-op boards in new york city this year without these initiatives right, right. And, yeah. you know, you, you can't be apathetic any longer because it's going to impact everybody's value and it's going to impact sales. It's going to impact everybody's, you know, wallet. So the, the days or years of apathy are gone. You have to, you have to, you have to be, you know, you, you have to think about this and you have to kind of do it now. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Ben, final? Well, I, I'm kind of curious, just, or is your take, have you heard buildings, you know, talking about purchasing carbon offsets in lieu of some of the things to kind of get there or meet the hurdle? Because I know, you know, my early days were in uh, Wall Street with the energy group, uh, you know, within there working on these like way, way, way back when. So, and, and plus you might also have additional energy saves from these buildings. So uh, just kind of curious what you're seeing on that front. I have, and I've read a lot about it recently, but I haven't seen uh, a management group or board be that, you know, uh, uh, thorough in their assessment of their needs. Frankly, I don't think they've gotten to the point of really, you know, all, you know, a handful of buildings, you know, have gotten to the point where they're actually going to make these decisions and have the appropriate studies in place. So, I think that's probably three or four steps down the road, but it's definitely the place where I think you know this may go in the future in order to purchase those carbon offsets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this has been a, a great conversation, very important, very important conversation, and I hope I hope this gets out and um, a lot of a lot of uh, building owners take action on this and get ahead of it rather than behind it just to prepare. Um, thank you, Oris Tomaselli. Uh, it's Condo Tech, right? That's where to uh, find and strategic inspections is our is our reserve study firm in New York City. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Oris, for joining us today. That is Ben Willig um, over at Elegron. That is John Walkup. I'm Noah Rosenblatt. We're both from Urban Digs. This has been Talking Manhattan, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>